Welcome to AMDG. I'm Eric Clayton. When I was first introduced to the book, Finding God in the Mess, I thought, that's a great title. It just seemed to hit the nail on the head spiritually, for me at least. Fast forward several weeks, and wow, is that not how we're all feeling? My conversation with authors Brendan McManus SJ and Jim Deeds was recorded on one of the last days our team worked out of our DC office. Our conversation, though just before COVID-19 shut down so much of our world, is poignant and all too relevant. The spiritual truths Brendan and Jim wrestle with are ones that I think you'll find helpful, both for these final days of Lent and for these however many days of lockdown. We use their book as a springboard to spirituality. We hear some powerful excerpts and we dig into how growing up in Northern Ireland has shaped their understanding and application of Ignatian spirituality. Brendan McManus SJ, an Irish Jesuit priest, works in the area of spirituality and spiritual accompaniment in Belfast. He's the author of a number of books, including Redemption Road, Grieving on the Camino. He's a keen walker, having undertaken a number of pilgrimages, which serve as the inspiration for a lot of his writing. Jim Deeds is engaged in pastoral ministry in Down and Connor Diocese, working in helping parishes to develop their vision and potential. He's a husband, a father, and an author. Now, before we get started, I want to share with you a brief Ignatian digital retreat that centers on cave-like moments, inspired by St. Ignatius' own time in the cave near Manresa. It's very applicable to this current moment in our lives. It's in four parts and available to everyone. If you're looking for some reflection on Ignatian spirituality and, and this moment of pandemic, I invite you to visit jesuits.org slash into the cave. All right, let's get started. Brendan, Jim, we're uh, so happy you're here with us on the AMDG podcast. Thank you for joining us today. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks very much. So we're excited to talk to you both um, in general, specifically about this this new book that you've you've put out called Finding God in the Mess. Um, it's kind of these uh, beautiful reflections to accompany uh, a person each day. Um, about exactly that, you know, where do we find God in, in a messiness of our daily lives? And I love, I really love the title and I think it's very, um, apropos to Lent, uh, to our, our, our Lenten journey. Um, but also uh, just to the time, the signs of the times where we find ourselves right now. And so I, you know, I'm wondering just as out of the gate, uh, my first question here is how, how do we figure out which mess we should be finding God in, you know, because your, your title is finding God in the mess, but there's so much in the headlines. There's so much in our personal lives, our spiritual lives, our family lives, the world. Um, what what are those steps that you guys take or, or have taken in, in putting this book together to help us find, uh, you know, the particular mess that we should focus in on and, 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 and focus on where we should find God? Yeah, well, I guess, uh, First of all, it's, we started from our own experience, Eric. I think that was the main thing that we were reflecting on our own lives. This is the voice of Brendan. And there's there's a great story about how how this book came into being, actually, which is worth hearing. That I was uh, I'd been walking on the Camino Ignaciano in in Spain, and I'd fractured my knee, and I was I was actually in hospital. I was in a cast, and I was laid up at home. And I was seeing Jim. I didn't know Jim that well. And I was seeing him posting these things on Facebook, mainly poems and reflections. And I was uh, I was thinking that would make a great combination. My photographs, which is a big part of the book, and, and Jim's poems and reflections. So I remember thinking I must get in touch. And then, of course, I put it off and then for a couple of weeks. And then eventually I came around to 
uh, saying, Jim, would you be on for this? And he was he was really keen to do it. So we we started into this project together. But it was for me, it was coming out of this experience of having having been injured, having been laid up at home and being immobilized and trying to do something positive. That was the initiative. I think that's what God was saying to me at that moment. So I think that theme is reflected through the book. How could you how could you do something positive? What's God saying to you at this moment? Given that God is in all things, not just in the in the good things or the nice moments or when things are going really well, but God's actually in, in everything. And especially in these moments of of difficulty and challenge, struggle, illness. And our book talks about grief and anger, anxiety, all these big themes for people. So it's something about those situations in which we find ourselves very human situations where we need some help in order to get mobile and to do something and to find a way through difficult situations, especially especially those situations where sometimes we can be frozen, like with fear, for example, or illness, or we can be immobile. And I think God is inviting us to do something. And that, that was where we pitched ourselves, these situations where we find ourselves, very human situations, where I think God is inviting us to do something concrete, to try to move through this. For me, it's it's always an experience of the cross. The Jesus on the cross has a similar experience, a hu- very human experience of feeling abandoned by God. There's that terrible moment where he says, my God, why have you forsaken me? Obviously, he hadn't been forsaken, but there's this apparent forsakenness, the feeling of being abandoned. Those are very common in human life, I think. And we wanted to put something together that would help people to get through those difficult situations when it's not easy, when you feel abandoned, when there's a lot of darkness and you feel that I need, I need something to help. I need a guide in the darkness. Light in the darkness is probably one of the big themes. Uh, beautiful. And, and I wonder even, um, you know, so these reflections are very brief and, and these are big things you're talking about, anxiety, fear. Um, you know, what's the spiritual movement that you hope for inside your readers that are kind of taking very small bite-sized chunks out of these issues each day as they're praying with these books. How do we, how do we approach these big issues in that kind of bite-sized mentality? It's just simply, it's the, it's the human story. And if, if you notice, I think Jim and myself are both storytellers, you know, I think it's being, being Irish and being from the North of Ireland. So it's the power of the story so some of these stories reflect ourselves or other people or friends that we have dealing with these situations. So it's not actually a big high theology. It's just simply someone telling the story about a route through this situation, whether it be grief or anger, or anxiety, whatever, and how they managed to find a way through with, with prayer and with God's help, how they navigated through these difficult situations. And that's the power of it. It's just such a simple, it's such a simple thing, but it invites people to follow or imitate us or try this. This is what we find that works. And that can be really helpful to people rather than any big theology or concepts or ideas. Look, here's a way, here's here's a, a, a sure way through this difficulty you might do. So I'm, I'm sure Jim could say more about that. So yeah, the, the, book is a, the book is essentially an invitation to slow down and to pause. And it's really in that pausing and that slowing down and the silence that comes from that, that we get to understand just there that as your first question asked, which mess do I need to attend to? Well, unless we slow down and pause and remain silent for a while and listen, we may never know. We get too busy doing and doing and doing. So the book in that sense is just an invitation to slow down 
And if you notice uh, that in each of, uh, each of the chapters of our book, there's a combination of uh, three things. Firstly, there's a beautiful image. And as, as we know, an image can paint a thousand words and, and more. And that might be just enough for what somebody needs, an image that will just draw them in. The second thing then is some form of reflection or story. And again, that might speak to someone and be enough to draw them in. And the third thing is the set of what we call Ignatian spirituality questions at the end of each chapter. And again, that might be enough for someone. And we hope that when you combine the three of those elements, even though we have designed chapters that are bite-sized, that they're really just an invitation to open a door and for the person who's reading to continue on and to bring whatever comes up for them into their prayer life, perhaps even to journal their space in the book, if you'd like to write at the end of the chapters as well. So I, I see each chapter really as a gateway, a gateway into prayer. Beautiful. Yeah. And and I, the, the photos are, are really beautiful. I wonder what your reflections are um, for a person that might not be familiar kind of with praying with an image or praying with a photo. How, what's that, again, an interior movement that you would encourage someone to, to kind of bring to an image like this that, that will help them to really delve into it and encounter God? I think, I think what you mentioned earlier there is about who, who this was aimed at. I think we were definitely moving away from the kind of the classic kind of religious prayerful person. And we were trying to reach out in, in, with a new media approach and a new, to a new generation, if you like, who would be familiar with images and who would, I think people instinct, especially young people instinctively relate to an image. It's one of the key things on Facebook. You know, if you have a, an image that your post gets read much more. So that was like our starting point you know, to invite people in to see something, see the beauty in this, see the beauty in your situation, realize that you're not alone, realize that there that there is a God, that there is a God who has created this world and that you are part of that creation. Jim and myself do workshops based on this book and we use the images in the workshops. But one of the big messages in the workshop is you are created by God and you are individually loved by God. There's a beautiful image of that Jim has of this tree and it has a little, uh, the tree's been burned in a fire, but it has a little tag on it. This features in the book as well. And it's, it's this thing, even though, you know, you've been through a lot and you're scarred and you're wounded, you are still loved by God. You have still been created by God. You're still worthwhile. That's quite a complex theological thing, but see that image, that image captures that. And I think people intuitively understand that. We don't have to educate people or, you know, teach them how to do this. People just automatically jump into that. I think that's the way, that's the way the world is at the moment. That's the way we've been created. And there is, you know, it's almost like the royal road to spirituality is the image. It, it connects people directly, a sense of beauty, sense of truth, sense of the transcendent, sense of, you know, converting situations. They say that, uh, you know, photography is about seeing seeing what the beauty of what's there and it's just a manner of seeing and i guess for us spirituality is the same thing it's a manner of it's a matter of seeing the world seeing how you can transform situations how you can see god in situations is the the big ignatian thing realizing that you're not alone realizing there's other dimensions to this i mean i'm i'm sure jim could comment on that as well 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think the images, uh, the images are just as important in the book as all of the words. And I suppose when when I when I heard your question, Eric, about the movement, uh, the, the 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 I think the images are are quite beautiful. And so I would hope that one of the movements that someone might feel would be a real sense of consolation, really, just to pick up on what Brendan was saying a moment ago, that some of the movement, some of the the images will maybe move people in the heart to experience some sort of peace or some sort of a joy or even just a, a sense of of connected to the moment. And then that the words might speak uh, speak to them even maybe in a deeper way because of, of looking uh, at the image. And as Brendan says, the, the feedback that we've had as we travel around uh, this country here in Ireland and beyond about the book is that the images really do capture people. So and, and it's lovely. It's a lovely lesson. We don't have to teach people how to view images or, or what they might mean. Really, the, the, the book is not the book is not a book of teaching anyhow. It's much more a book of invitation. Yeah, I like that a lot. Invitation. It feels like a uh, like I'm being accompanied through a spiritual journey, you know, a, a guided, uh, which I which I really like. I um I want to. Uh, jump on something, uh, Brandon, that you said about uh, kind of it feeling a little bit like social media. Because as you said that, I was like, oh yeah, it's, it, there's a an image, almost like your post, and then there's um, you know a very short, um, kind of poignant uh, caption, essentially with with that. Um, and so I wonder if you know in this uh, you know time of, of of you know social media is kind of saturated everything we we do um, and, and is often uh, uh, you know given attributed for for many bad things that happen right you know interpersonally and 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 across the world um, I wonder if 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 the way you approach this book, the way you approach setting up this book and, and the spiritual uh, lessons you hope to, um, to kind of share with people, if, if there's something, some lens there that you can share with us for how we approach social media, uh, the way we, we look at images and, and kind of short captions, is there some spiritual lens that, that might help uh, us, again, as we kind of go into the Easter season and, and people stop giving up social media, perhaps, that they can um, apply for a, for a more... Um, holistic and holy approach to, to that that form of communication. Yeah, I mean, for, for example, some, some years ago, Pope Francis encouraged us all to step into social media. He told us that we, we should be on there. Uh, so I, I, I understand and I know that social media can, can certainly be a place uh, where the not-so-pleasant side of life can be present there, absolutely. However, I think it's also a, a place for wonderful good and that I feel strongly that, that that we should be there as people of faith. Just it's a it's it's new territory, it's mission territory to to proclaim the the good news. So I think the territory itself is fascinating, and I think the medium is real has been it's a real learning point for Brendan and I. People uh, people consume social media at a huge rate. And therefore, I think it's really helped us that both Brendan and I have a fairly big social media presence on a number of platforms and we engage with people there. Um, it's part of our ministry and it's really reflected in the books that we write, that we, we write in, in the way that we know people can consume spirituality in a way that's manageable. Uh, for them. So it, it's it's lovely to hear, Eric, that you've picked up that finding God in the mess uh, really does. I mean, it, it speaks maybe to a social media generation. It's reflective of that way of communicating. Yeah. And just to, just to add to that, then what Jim said, both of us are, are very big in social media. I think I learned from Jim about this, the, 
the power of using this tool that has been given to us, which can be used for good and for ill. I think we've seen that, but see when it's used properly in the in the in a in a good way, it's really powerful. And I think it comes back to what Jim said earlier there that if it's used in a consoling way, and this is the the Ignatian term, obviously consolation means the the route towards God. So I think images have a power for good and for bad and used that used properly they can really connect us to all those good things about you know peace joy connection relationship all of those really good things can come out of that if it's used in the in the appropriate way so i think we deliberately set out to harness some of that power the power of the image the power of the story i think is really clear in the book and the power of that bite-sized thing that is not just flooding people with words like Jim says, it's an invitation to slow down. It's an invitation to engage, engage with the image, engage with the words, but much more importantly, engage with yourself, with your own reality. And I think how I would sum it up is the, the whole Ignatian thing is about you You pray with the problem. You pray with the thing that's going on. You pray with the mess. You pray with the difficulty. You pray with the darkness. But you bring prayer to bear on whatever's going on. And that's the, that's the jump that needs to happen that's going to be helpful for people and i think that's what we've simply observed or tapped into or we've we've commented on that so i think that's what you're seeing there we're just simply using the tools we've been given these things that have been proven to be powerful in terms of accessing human consciousness and then trying to channel that in a positive way which leads to consolation and leads away from desolation so trying to help people with the ignatian the movements of the spirit and the the awareness of what's happening and the bringing of your your whole being to God that that is that is really powerful and social media and the use of images helps us to tap into that that dynamic so that those movements that happen in people can be challenged in a positive direction and, th and this book just a small contribution to that that dialogue beautiful i as, as you guys are kind of uh, reflecting on on the role social media plays and the role that uh, it, it has played in kind of your thinking about this book, it occurs to me that, that uh, it, when you're having an image uh, in social media, you know, you have it in front of you for half a second, right? And you're constantly flipping through, you're consuming more and more images, more and more content. Whereas in, in spiritual reading, in the spiritual life, I, I would assume this would be your recommendation, you sit with one image, right? That's the image you have for the day, maybe two images. At least that's the way you've set up your book. Um, and, and same with the passages, right? There's there's a challenge to say this is the image that I'm going to to to, to pray with right now or today. Um, and then and then Brenda, you you, you said um, you know how do we pray into that problem? Pray with our problem. And again, it's a challenge to to circle back constantly to um, where our our prayer is leading us and and to and to what is needed. Um, uh, in our prayer. So I wonder what, what advice, what tools do you have for people that, and myself included, are so um, eager and ready to just go to the next thing, the next image, the next, uh, you know, piece of content, um, when really perhaps the, the need is to, to, to dive deeper and, and, and come back to, to whatever that, that prayer tool is as the day, maybe the week continues. Well, yes, I mean, the so social media, the whole thing with social media is that I can just scroll on if I don't like something or if I don't find something pleasing, I scroll on into onto the next one. And um, it was lovely to hear Brenton speak there a second ago about how our book encourages people to pray with whatever is there and not simply to scroll on uh, to the next thing. 
And so while social media is a fantastic medium, that's where that's where books are just glorious entirely because they, we can just invite people to sit with that one image and that one set of prayers. And uh, as you read the book, you'll notice that in many of our chapters, we invite people to focus on their breath. And Brendan and I have done a lot of work um, both using the body and the breath as a way to slow down and to become present to the present moment. And really, that's the antidote to that scroll on mentality that we can develop in terms of even our own spirituality. It's to be present to ourselves and to the moment through our breath and through uh, praying with the body. And I know maybe, Brendan, do you want to pick up on that? Because the, you introduced that to me, this whole idea of praying with the body that has been so useful for us. Yeah, that that was my that was my thesis in uh, in spirituality when I was doing my Jesuit training, and I was just I was just realizing, uh, first of all, that the Ignatian thing is it's largely about the body. The body is a starting point. The body is the the home of the emotions. The body is where we store trauma, where we store happiness, where it's where we inhabit, right? But sometimes uh, we get seduced by the the head stuff, and this is this is really common. You know, and in our in our education system, for example, like Western education is largely about the head and about thoughts and ideas. And those things are fine and good and all that, but they can really cause havoc. And some some of our experience with working with younger people and people getting caught up in anxiety, for example, or getting stressed, getting getting completely uh, preoccupied with worrying about stuff. So we realize the antidote to that, like Jim says, is to go back to the body. So go back to your breathing. It's such a such a simple thing. I mean, we're we're, we're pulling in all sorts of stuff here to do with you know. Uh, Demello uses the Eastern meditation and the importance of the body, importance of breathing. But this is this is standard kind of Christian uh, Christian awareness. And so, but just simple simple things like that, starting with the body and having having a process for approaching difficult issues. You know, so we don't just jump straight into things. You start off with your breathing, for example. You try to anchor yourself. That's the way we talk about it in the workshop. You try to anchor your thoughts, for example, so that you don't keep getting pulled off. If you have a good anchor in terms of your breathing and, and the body, then you can start looking at more difficult things, and they're not that frightening. I mean, the whole Ignatian thing as well is about having a sense of balance. I think that was, Ignatius himself would say that. Have a balanced approach to your life to decision making to big issues things that could threaten to throw you off balance and how to how to keep coming back to that point of balance there's a there's a lovely uh, book by uh, by an english jesuit about the inner the still point finding the still point i think that sums up a lot of what we try to do as well find find the still point the, that point is always there in the sense that god is always there the invitation is always there but often people are too busy and social media can feed that obviously. So our goal is to try to, to break that link with just being, being superficial about things and getting caught up in the head. So to bring things a bit deeper. And I was just going to comment some of the images, if you notice the, the image on the front of the book, for example, it's, it's an an image that invites, it's an image of perspective. It's a, it's actually a fishing, uh, a pier from my local near my local village at home in Northern Ireland. But it's an, an image that invites you in. It invites you into a deeper place, and it says, "It says, stop a moment. This is not a this is not a superficial image. This is this is a deeper image, and it points to something else." 
And I think that that summarizes our approach. These things point to other things. And let's let's take the time. Let's do that pause that Jim talks about. Let's get into a deeper place. Let's anchor ourselves. Let's stop living in the head. Let's go a bit deeper and see what's really going on. And let's get into the the emotions, which can be quite messy, but where there is there is a, a still point, there is a calm place. And that can be that can be really life-changing for people to realize you don't have to live flat out. You don't have to live in your head all the time. You can have this peace and calm that Christ wants for us, I think. Beautiful. Uh, you you pointed to, um, we've, we've been talking about this book the whole time, obviously, and you've pointed to some specific examples. I wonder if you guys each have a favorite passage uh, from the book, um, and if you might read it for us and tell us a little bit about where the inspiration came from, what particular mess you were thinking of when you wrote it. Sure. Will I maybe pick up here, Will? <clears throat> the, my favorite uh, my favorite passage uh, changes each time I go back and, and, and look at the book and rediscover it. Uh, however, in, in preparing for this conversation, I was drawn to our reflection on the gift of time. And it's quite timely in itself to, to share this one just on the back of what Brendan has been talking about. So I'll read, uh, I'll read some of it for you here. By the end of this week, we will have taken approximately 161,000 breaths. Each of these breaths will involve a process of taking in air, converting it into its constituent parts, using that which we need and giving away that which we don't. That right there, folks, is the miracle of life. Most of us, most of the time, don't even know we're breathing. We simply get on with it. It only takes a minute now to say a prayer, and there will be 10,080 minutes this week. If you dedicated one hour this week to helping someone vulnerable, elderly, lonely, or homeless, you would still have another 167 hours to play with. Weeks come and go. As we get older, they seem to go more quickly. It would be easy and it would be a shame to forget how much a week can hold. This week will hold a path full of possibilities and experiences. All we have to do is to take a step along the path and keep our eyes open along the way. I love, I love that one because it invites us into the, the sense of each moment as a moment of possibility, of possibility to breathe anew, to pray, and to reach out and to help someone. And just every time I read that, I just it fills me with a sense both of calm and a little bit of excitement for the week to come. That's beautiful. I, I really like that one too. And I think the the part that jumped out at me in that uh, that passage was the idea that uh, you know each of the breaths we take takes that which we need and gives away that which we don't. And I think yeah. that right there, from a spiritual perspective, really hit me. It's like, oh my gosh, each and every you know moment is is this is this taking what we need and leaving aside what we don't. It's happening naturally in our bodies, and um, yeah, that that really hit me. Beautiful, lovely, beautiful stuff. Thank you, Yark. Thank you. Brendan, what were you thinking? Yeah, mine would be the one, there's one on depression. It's on page 59. And it says, uh, depression can eat away at the core of a person, leaving us lost all at sea, and feeling totally washed up. We feel adrift, cut loose from the things that anchor us to a sense of safety, order, or purpose. Perhaps you are experiencing some of these times yourself at present. If not, I'm sure you know someone who is. These times can leave us feeling very afraid. 
We fear to think about what might be coming to us next. We may even cry out, give me a break, enough already. Another feeling that comes at these times is a feeling of not being loved or cared for. We feel very alone or angry at ourselves, others, the world and God. In this ocean of despair, we can be tempted to just give up. But don't wait. There's another story going on here. In these times of despair, when we're all at sea, there are people who care. There are people who love us. And God loves us, especially in these moments. Reaching out for help can be a really tough thing to do, but it's always a good thing to do. So checking in with those we feel might be suffering from depression can be a good thing. We can be a listening ear or simply a positive presence in what can seem like a totally negative situation. So again, for me, that's it's hitting one of the big issues for a lot of people, depression. And it's acknowledging the reality of it, acknowledging the feelings. And again, you can see that element about the feeling abandoned theme runs right through that, feeling that I've uh, been left alone. But it's also saying there's more than just your feelings here. There's something else going on. The reality of being loved by God, and it actually mentions the word anchor there as well. So you need to anchor yourself. The feelings are not reliable is one of the key things. You need to anchor yourself into something much more solid. That is the love of God that's always underlying things. So again, it's an invitation to pause, to stop, to consider what is the, what is the truth of this. And it's also got a real action part here. It's, it's got a, you have to reach out. You have to ask for help. You have to connect to other people, which is a key part of this. Again, that movement from being being frozen or, or being inactive to, to action is another key part of us, which reflects Ignatian spirituality, that it's all about making good decisions. Ultimately, it's not about simply meditating on things or bringing it into your heart. There's a movement inwards, but there's a movement outwards. This is the, the key thing, a movement to connect, movement to relationship, movement to, to society and to wellness in this case. Yeah, I like that a lot. And that, that idea, as, as you're saying, that, that there's a, an action in the environment that you're taking place. It's not just in your head or in your heart. It has to kind of come out of, out of you. And, and that leads me to my next question. I, I'm wondering, um, in the specific environment uh, in which you, you both find yourselves, you're, you're both in Northern Ireland, um, I, I wonder how that particular place um, with its history and its culture um, plays into your spirituality uh, and how you approach the, the, the task of finding God. Um, and I wonder how it helps you to identify and respond to, to messiness. Yeah, and it's, a, it, it's an interesting place to have grown up. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I suppose I was born in 1971 and therefore grew up uh, right throughout what we euphemistically here called the Troubles. It was more than just trouble. It was it was essentially a war zone that we that we grew up in. It was it was a place of distrust and di division in many ways, a place of violence. Um, certainly, a place where we set, uh, sought to keep ourselves to ourselves. Uh, for example, uh, it wasn't until I was twenty that I had uh, intentionally met anyone who wasn't a Catholic. Um, I had barely met anybody who wasn't white or working class. So it was a very sheltered uh, kind of uh, way to grow up. Uh, I grew up in a, in a Catholic home, thank God, and, and really enjoyed being part of my Catholic family. But I guess as I grew up to be an adult, uh, witnessing what I saw around me in terms of violence and division, I suppose my spirituality 
Uh, my spiritual journey has probably been probably been one of pushing against that and being much more driven to appreciate the oneness of all people, the unity of all people, that lovely Ignatian gift that we have of seeing God in all things. So God is either in nothing or God is in everything. And I choose to see that God is in everything. And, and practically for me, as I've grown older, that has meant reaching out to people of different Christian traditions and different faiths and being curious uh, about where they're uh, coming from as well. And, and I guess that really it, 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 it spilled over into the, the books that Brendan and I write. Um, we please God, they are books that, that cry out for unity and speak of the oneness of all people. They're, they're not exclusive books, they're inclusive uh, books. For example, Finding God in the Mess, if there's, if there's one thing that unites us all is that we know what it means to be in a mess every now and then. So I suppose that the Northern Ireland, the Northern Ireland experience has not always been good or pleasant to grow up in, but the gift that it gave me is a real desire to see unity and oneness among all people. Yeah, and just for me, just to echo what Jim said, I think one of the things about growing up in the north, I'm, I'm from the west of Northern Ireland. It's a very rural place, but essentially the same dynamics. But one of the one of the negative things about being brought up a Catholic in the north of Ireland is that religion becomes like a badge of identity instead of being, you know, a, a, a faith journey and about opening to God and relationship. It, it becomes like the opposite. This is the, the negative side of it. So I think that I think that marks you in terms of you recognize what's not helpful. And for me, the Ignatian thing, you know, be, becoming a Jesuit, discovering this amazing riches was, was such a mind blowing thing that this is, this is another way to approach the whole uh, faith and religion thing that is not necessarily about the externals. The externals are often the things that divide us, but this internal connection with God, this, this God who's really close to us and intimate with us and with us in all these moments, that's that's such a powerful thing. The role of scripture, I think we, we, we had a, a recent book launch in myself for a second book that we've done. And uh, we, we had a Presbyterian minister who was uh, facilitating the night, but he was saying, he was impressed that both of us quoted scripture in our introductions. And I think that'd be important for both of us that we would we would have that relationship with God, that we would use scripture and use these tools. So this is trying to bring faith back to what it's really about and i think i think everybody can relate to that i was trying to avoid some of the excesses that we've seen in northern ireland and this key thing about is trying to address real issues to help people that are in trouble we've seen the effects of trauma and war we, we know that only too well we want to we want to be peace builders here we want to be people that construct things that help people to move out of the dark places and to move into the light we've seen too much darkness that's, that's what i would say how do you think Ignatian spirituality uh, specifically helps contribute to more peaceful uh, life, more peaceful society? It's such a it's such a practical thing is the first thing. It's it's about engaging, engaging with yourself primarily, knowing yourself is one of the big things, knowing your limits, knowing your biases, and then it's about obviously engaging with God. But it's the key thing is that last part, which is engaging with people and relationships and the world and society so it's this it's this action orientated and and it's this it has it has at the s the, 
the, the center of is this conversion of heart, which has to happen. And that's brought about by coming in close contact with this loving God, this compassionate God. That's what changes people's hearts. And that's what makes a difference. That's what changes people, individuals, and then that's what changes society. So that little miracle that happens whenever you put people in contact with the real thing. And obviously as a Jesuit, I've seen that happen in my own life, my own ministry, and that's what I want to communicate. And I think that's what our, our book does really well. It captures the essence of the Ignatian thing without without being too academic about it. And it, it kind of launches it into these difficult issues and gives people this way through, which is a source of great joy to us, I think, and especially in this Northern Ireland context. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a spirituality that appeals to a wide, wide range of people, not just Catholic people uh, and, and not just people who would have known about St. Ignatius, but it's, it, it seems to be a spirituality that is attractive to people and that, that's a great thing. So it's a uniter that way. And then the great gift of uh, the idea of discernment, of discerning God's will, and I think that can bring a peace to people because when we discern and we're encouraged to find God uh, in the midst of our dilemmas and we discern where God might want to lead us, even if it's a difficult path, the peace comes from knowing that I am not alone. I am in tune with God and God joins me on the path. One of my favorite scripture pieces is the road to Amos. And I love that idea of two people who were essentially running away from a very difficult situation. And we read how a stranger joins them on the road and that it's God, that it's Jesus. And Jesus gives them what they need. And at the end of that story, we see that they they turn and they go back to Jerusalem. They go back to the very thing that was difficult for them. And I think that's what Ignatian spirituality can be for us. It can be a way of encountering Christ and into facing into what might be even very difficult situations, but to do it strengthened in the knowledge that God is with us. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for those reflections. Uh, just one one final kind of question uh, thing to bring us bring us to the end here. Uh, as we as we move through these days of Lent, you know, I think a lot of us view the suffering and the struggling and the messiness uh, that we kind of associate with our Lenten journeys, processing those things in the desert, right? As it were, um, we, we see Lent with this clear beginning and a clear end. But of course, that's not how how life works. Uh, it's not how our problems are solved with a clear beginning and clear end and a, and a timestamp. And I wonder if there's any harm to our spiritual selves in trying to neatly package these these uh, these issues, these big issues that really take a full lifetime to to grapple with. So my question is, what what do we do with that messiness that spills over inevitably into the Easter season? How do we how do we take it going forward and 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 process that ongoing uh, fruits of Lent? Yeah, I think some of the some of the the goal for us is to try to put in place some of the practices. So some of these Ignatian practices we've spoken about, the most basic one is, is reflection, helping people to stop the pause and the looking back, looking back on my experience can be such a powerful thing. This takes time. Just like you say, you can't just, you know, get it the first time and it works brilliantly. So a lot of this is about putting in place good habits. So good spiritual habits Reflection is one. Prayer is a central one, obviously. Having time alone with the creator, with the source of this compassion and love, that's what transforms people's hearts. So so having that in place, what Jim mentioned about discernment and decision-making, getting better at that. And I would mention, obviously, the the, Jesuit, the review of the day technique, probably the most central one, is a, as an ongoing 
tool for reviewing one's life and for making changes. It's a very organic thing. Again, it doesn't happen overnight, but over a period of time, over months and over years, it will bring about enormous changes just of itself, giving people the tools to reflect on their experience, to work out where God is, where the consolation is specifically, and how to move towards that, how to make better decisions. That will that will change people's lives in the long run. And that's the that's the Easter message, you know, that the the resurrection comes after the struggle and the engagement with the difficult issues. But one day you will you will walk in the light. That'd be my my thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the, the, the Eric, it's a great question because whether we whether we think we can or whether we want to try to to package these things up very nicely, we can't. So my answer to the question is that we just bring the messiness with us. We bring it with us in the knowledge that God is with us, and that we have this beautiful stopping off point at Easter to really remind us of that that we that we celebrate, and. A big thing for me, I think, is as we as we go through and we become aware of the various messes we find ourselves in, often the antidote to that is love. And that if we were to, look, to learn how to hold ourselves and others in compassion, love and mercy, then that's probably a way to travel with the mess rather than to pretend that we can live a life that has no mess. We can't. And, and you know what? Messy times can be creative times as well. So I think it's learning to live in the mess knowing that God is with us in the mess. Well said. Well, Brendan, Jim, thank you so much for uh, taking some time to talk with us today for your reflections. And uh, I, I will look forward to continuing to pray through your, your book. Thank you, Eric. Eric, thank you very much. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C., the show is edited by Marcus Bleach, and our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Mike Jordan-Lasky, Marcus Bleach, Doris Sump, Megan Leapsch, Becky Sindelar, and me, Eric Clayton. Connect with the Jesuits online at Jesuits.org, on Twitter at, at @JesuitNews, Jesuit News, Instagram at WeAreTheJesuits, and Facebook via Facebook.com backslash Jesuits. If you or someone you know might be called to discern a vocation to the Jesuits, connect with a Jesuit vocation promoter at beajesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at jesuits.org. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as St. Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire. <laughs>